All right, so we welcome in Jamie Baker from the San Jose Sharks broadcast team. Of course, uh, first thing I want to find out, how realistic was the bobblehead? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? <laughs> like, why would you even ask me that? First, is, uh, like, is that cat real and is that sharky real? <laughs> well, sharky is a cool little painting. And what's the cat's name, by the way? I see the cool cat. In the, you got a cool little kitten or cat in the background. Yeah, Kayla, she's just always chilling out on the desk. She always wants yeah, to... Yeah. She always wants to be part. I think she wants to have her own podcast. Just hanging out. Yeah. Kayla's hanging out. So Kayla's joining us and we got a poster of Sharky. (laughs) I don't know. I think, do you think they were, I thought Honor was because he had a tan and Rosie. That's, that's, that, that was where I I went. More people have said it doesn't exactly look like my resemblance than people have said, oh, that looks like you, but it's still cool. I think it's cool. So I don't, I don't really care. Well, I thought it was a great, and, and I thought it was a long time coming, to be honest. I'm surprised they didn't do this far earlier, you know, four or five years ago. So, um, but what's the new normal for you now, now that we've kind of been shut down for a month? Are you getting into like the deep catalog of the doors? Are you going yeah. to other classic rock at this point? <laughs> Trying to stay distracted. You know, I live by mm-hmm. myself. So one bedroom apartment. Um, I didn't go to today off but i've been trying to go just to a trail four or five mile walk jog do that um i do my daily routine which is you know the stuff that i do mentally has really come through because i'm in a i'm in a good spot like this hasn't while it's not a good situation um it hasn't phased me mentally because i don't really i don't really worry about things too much um i'm not like it's just everything I kind of been studying the last couple of years. It's, it's almost, it's, it hasn't prepared me for this because I was kind of struggling for so long. I was trying to get out of my own little abyss on its, mm. on its own. So this is like, just a, this is a different version and it's like, okay, you know, here's, here's how you handle it. You know, you still, you just focus on things. So, um, yeah, been watching shows, Watch watch Tiger King. I've been really into World War II stuff. Okay. So, uh, you know, I've, and, and that had started before this whole quarantine, but I've watched both World War II and uh, in color documentaries on Netflix. One's 13 episodes, one's 10. And kind of the more you dig in, it's like the more intriguing. I watched one on a four part one on the, you know, kind of the concentration camps and stuff. It's oh. hard. It's hardcore, but it's like, boy, you think we got it bad now? Go, <laughs> go check out. Go look, no, you just go look at history. Just go look in the last 100 years, you know, and, and, you know, my, my youngest daughter and I, during the all-star break, went to New Orleans. We went to the world war II museum and then I watched band of brothers and I'm watching the Pacific. So, and then I, I, I got a puzzle going, I color a little bit and sketch. Um, I've been writing a little bit, reading a lot of FaceTiming with some, right. some college buddies. Like I, I, it was funny two days ago, he was my left winger for three years in college. You know, we've never FaceTime. Like, wow. you know, we see each other at reunions or something like that. But or you know, and I and I run into some of these, you know, a few people here and there on the road, you know, during the season. But everybody seems to be taking a, you know time out to to reach out to people that they don't talk to too much. So I've been doing a little bit of that FaceTiming with my daughters every day. Um, oh. Got a little push up routine here, so I'm trying to you know still exercise and everything and. And then just wait, wait this out, you know? So 
I, and, you know, to be honest, I know everybody's at different levels. I felt myself getting lethargic last weekend and I was realizing, okay, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even want to look at my screen time. I'm like, you know, <laughs> but I just knew I was spending too much time on my phone and it's so easy to do, right? I'm here by myself. I'm like, just, you know, you're, you're on Instagram. I don't really go on Facebook, but Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, you start reading, you go to CNN, you're reading the news. And I'm like, I never, I never read the news, but you kind of have to right now. You got to be up to speed a little bit on what's going on. Yeah. So this, the last few days, I'm like, I'm cutting back on screen time, both on my phone. I'll still watch my shows, you know, a little bit here and there, but not as much and doing more mindful. I'm going to come up with more mindful activities. I kind of created, seriously, in my apartment, I created stations. Like I have my train the brain station, workstation where I write, do a little bit of stuff for work, kind of, you know, I still have like, you know, taxes or anything like anything that I'm doing work for a puzzle station, a coloring, kind of an art station, if you will. It's just coloring, sketching. But when you're listening to music, it's really good for people, um, you know, just with, especially with ADHD, just anything with lines when you're coloring in between lines and stuff like that, you know, it kind of gets you focused and you kind of get, just keeps you in the moment. So same thing with sketching. Um, and then, like I said, and then a reading writing station where I, I'm reading a book right now and then I'm kind of taking notes on different things that I could potentially write about not necessarily a book but you know could be blogs or white paper or something like that yeah it definitely so, it feels like the time to like catch up on your reading uh like you said documentaries if there's something you kind of like had in yeah. the queue for a little while maybe try uh again like i was mentioning earlier like i don't know dig into some deep cuts on old music or something catch up there uh, try some new vino, some new beers, all sorts of different things you can get into. Well, you know what I wish most people were doing, and they're not, and that's why I'm going off like uh, social media. Everybody's trying to distract themselves and all this, and I'm already doing it, and I'm actually doing it a little bit more right now. Is training their brain, and like this is an opportunity to actually work on your mental wellness, whether you have mental health issues or not. This is not an opportunity. You don't have to go out and like you already do the blog or you do this. You're doing podcasts. Yeah. But I see so many people going out trying to create content. I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> I, like, I don't need like there's a million people going to go do podcasts. Yeah. I, okay. Who's who's going to listen to them? And are you doing it? Just if, I, that's great if you want to do it to stay busy. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this is where I'm I'm doing this as an opportunity so I don't drink really, you know, I have the odd ceremonial drink, you know, New Year's Eve, someone's birthday, blah, 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 but not, don't really drink. But this is an opportunity for someone to, to actually drink less. And it's because it's good for your brain. Yeah. This is an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to track my eating, what I'm eating and maybe eat better because it's good for my brain. Maybe start a gratitude journal. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, find a different book. Well, study how your brain handles like track how your brain is handling all of this like because there's a lot of people struggling and what they're doing is they're coping i know it i fucking did it for 20 years yeah 15 to 20 years like if there's one guy that knows coping in many different ways it's me and now i you know like and i saw myself starting to do it just with more just more screen time and i'm like nope 
get away from that. Your brain doesn't need to watch the news all the time. <laughs> you don't need to start adding more news and news, especially nowadays, right? You get, you can go get a little bit, go get a sliver of news. It's good to be caught up to date, Yeah. you know, um, on things, but at the same time, just keep doing what you're doing. And, and that's kind of, so I, I've got my routine and then I'm using this opportunity to kind of dig in on my train the brain routine and, and take it another level. And, and actually I'll be, as, as this month goes on, I, that'll be like, it's my, it's my station in my bedroom, train the brain station, but it's like, I'm, I'm looking into different ways to, to also continue work on, on myself from a mental standpoint. Well, I'll tell you, I would love to see you put together like a, uh, not so much like a, of a keys thing, but I've always enjoyed it on game days when you've taken a screenshot, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, and you kind of tweet out that folder that you put together of notes. Yeah. And it's like, boy, that needs to be something that we can all like have a, a blank sheet that we can all print out and just fill in. Yeah. The I mean, it's different for everybody. Like everybody's different. I don't like, you know, when you get into this stuff, it's up to people. Like, people don't realize they need it until they need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what this this is a time that stop, everybody has stopped for the most part. Not everybody. 80% of the population has come to a screeching halt. <laughs> and none of us have seen this in our lives, you know? There's maybe a dozen people in the world still alive that are 102 or older that were part of the Spanish flu. Yeah. And so they, you know, and they don't remember the Spanish flu because they were one or two years old at the time. So nobody's been through this before. This is new to everybody. And, and you know, it makes sense early on, you know, okay, just trying to get through it, distract yourself. But then there's a way of like, well, how can I, you know, and it's actually this book here. It's right behind me. It sits right here. It's the obstacle is the way. And it's, you know, it talks about the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius said that. So, like, when you think about it, what stands in the way of us right now is the fact that we can't go do anything. So we get, well, this is an opportunity to really work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. well, what's the way to work on yourself? Mentally. Because... There's things out there in the world we can't control. So we're all busy trying to control so many things. When in reality, the only thing you really can control is your choice. And there's so many factors that work that you so many things that happen on a daily basis that you don't control. Every time you get in your car and you drive, you don't control any other cars. You just don't. So you can get mad at them or not. You know, <laughs> and, and, and so um I've, I just recently, I wrote an article recently for the 1991 club. Yes. Which is, which I don't, are you part of the club? Yes, I am. Did you read the article? I haven't yet. There's, I'm still getting through. There's a lot of content coming out on there. So I'm still okay. going through like the podcasts that Ruzi has. So go read that. Go read the article. It's exactly what you just asked for. Exactly. There you go. It's, it's boom. It's exact. It's five pages. I went through it. Um, I did it. I did it one day. You know, Douglas Murray asked me to do it, and then he got back to me. He goes, "Oh, have you started this?" And I'm like, "No." But I, I said to him, "You know, I'm a decent writer, but I just got a you know ADD." 
procrastinate. Just I got to sit down. But I kind of formulated how I wanted to do it. And I sat down one day and just knocked it out in three, four hours. And, uh, you know, it was well received by him anyway. I, I don't know anyone else. It's, but it kind of summarizes the stuff I do, has a little bit of history of my training in hockey just to kind of, you know, I talked, I, I talked about how, you know, how hard I used to train off mm -hmm. ice. And then I'm taking some of the same skills to train my brain, but also the patience that it takes. Like it's now this isn't rigorous training. It's, but it's the repetition that I'm putting in Yeah. and, and trying to find the sweet spots of what to do, you know, so I'm tracking. So like on a daily basis here, I'm spending a lot of time by myself. I'm constantly trying to, track my thoughts are they negative is there worry is there is is there doubt am i thinking about the past am i worried about what somebody said is that my ego coming into play am i just in the moment yeah. you know so i'm trying to always pull myself back to the moment and be grateful you know like i'm not joking it sounds so stupid half an hour ago i got some ice cream today and i get like Every, I don't get it that often because I don't, I don't like to eat, eat a lot of sugars. But so I went and got some ice cream and I was eating my ice cream. I realized I was freaking shoveling it in there. Like it was like the first three bites. I'm like, this is good. This is good. And I'm like, and then I stopped and I'm like, hold on, like, enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. Like you're grateful that you have ice cream right now. And that's what I did and slowed down and had like my last three bites. But like, the first three compared to the last three, completely different. Because I, but and and it, and it doesn't matter. But I caught myself halfway through. And the whole thing is catching yourself. When the biggest step is mentally is catching yourself with anxiety or negative thought patterns or anger or anything, and then trying to like trying to pull away from it. Whether you're using a, a breathing you know technique, which I use, I use gratitude the most. Gratitude's mm -hmm like gratitude is a tool to me you know when i'm driving if some someone cuts me off like my choice is to honk yell Just scream let it go or let it go i used to do the other three yeah now i let it go and i have you know maybe i'll turn up the music a lot of times I just look in the horizon. I try and find a tree, the sun, something, something that I can be grateful for. And what it does is every time you do that, that's a repetition of I'm sending a message to my brain. So every time you yell, you're just training your brain to get angry because yeah. you're sending those. That's the message, right? You're not stopping it. So, so when I, you know, and I know this is, I'm kind of running on, but this time right now, but nobody's talking about it that much because it's not out there. It's not a curriculum. Like it's just, it's not a stigma. It's nothing like that. But there's no, we don't think of it as how oh. important training. <laughs> oh, sorry. We don't realize how important training our brain is. You know, we educate our brains. We train our bodies, but to train our brains. So, well, it's interesting you bring that up because that was something that I wanted to talk to you about when you mentioned things like uh, CTE earlier is. I don't know if it's 
magnified from this season or if it just happens every year and there's just little bits and pieces that we take from it. But the Department of Player Safety, um, I just, you look, at least for me, I look at Braun taking two headshots during the playoffs last season, Hurdle taking a big headshot, like no calls in game, no uh, any supplementary discipline. And I'm wondering, what do you think about maybe a three-person panel that includes like a player, a coach, and a former ref? Uh, Because just the lack of the consistency has been an issue for such a long time. And why don't you think the NHL has been able to at least find consistency in what they've done? Because, you you know, you'll see Chara get away with something and then another player will do almost the exact same thing and he gets, you know, rung up for three or four games. I'm not even going near last year's playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to tell you right now. Yeah. Not even, not even like just, I saw it. It is what it is. You know, that was, that's, that's for them to deal with. Um, There was just a lot, put it this way. There was a lot of controversy surrounding our team last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's it. So the other stuff, I mean, there is inconsistency. I don't know if you can create a system that's going to ever be perfect. They're walking a line. It's a, you know, and there's not a, there's not a lot of wiggle room. You know, it's the same thing when there's a goal scored, like there's no, not a lot of wiggle room because a goal was scored. It impacts the game, whether it's goalie interference and all of that. We don't bitch and moan as much about the inconsistency and tripping, hooking or holding calls. We may on a game, this game or that game, but not overall. Because you know what? Because there's there's a whole variance. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't it's not a you know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it, it does. doesn't have a it still impacts every game, but these headshots or supposed headshots. I don't when know, you look at the player it, safety, I I would like I think everybody wants an explanation when there's a controversial call. Like a real, like a controversial call. Why or why not? There's like, just, just tell, just tell us. But I see, I think that's the key. And I think you touched on it is we'll sit there sometimes and we'll get some sort of an explanation as to why we called it this way, but we never get an explanation as to why we offered no discipline. Well, and that's, and then they're, you know, to their defense, they're going to go, well, how many times do we have to do that? So I, mm. I will say this. I do not envy them for their job. I don't envy them for their job. I also will say the league, you know, they'll never talk about concussions no. legally. They, they just won't, which, I mean, just it's like, let's just call a spade a spade. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> legally, like their lawyers are like, you can't do this. But it does, it's, it's not even that. They've worked hard over the years to minimize the amount of head contact, the fighting, and all of that in an extremely fast, violent sport that's played at high speeds. It's like I tell people, you know, it's like a gladiator sport. 
for people who have never been to a game, like you go there, you're like, when you, if you take someone to the game for the first time, they, everyone says the same thing. I had no clue how fast that was. It's um, like, I had no clue. I had no clue. Because people don't realize they're only out there 40, 45 seconds, and there's no out of bounds. So there's going to be contact to the head. So the league is trying to do everything they can, and that's that's all they can do. And and they've taken major strides in the last decade. So I, I don't look at – I don't look at – I thought there were some inconsistencies this year. I did. Yeah. I, and like I said, I'm not even going near the playoffs last year. Well – I thought – well, you know, but but the bottom line is there was scrutiny across the board from the refing, and part of the reason the game's getting so, f- like it is so fast. Go watch some shift. Go watch a ref on a shift next time you're at a live game. Just like watch him when there's like in, watch the guy in the zone. I, how he can even make calls while he's trying to stay out of the way, and then he's got to join the rush and all this. Like these guys have really difficult jobs. There's, you know. Football's five, six seconds of play. Soccer, you know, soccer, soccer. Yeah. It's has its moments of being fast. Offsides are tight. Baseball, stationary sport. You know, the, now the ball's coming in at 90 miles an hour, so you can argue that. You yeah. Know, well, you can strike your ball. Exactly. Basketball, you know, there's 10 guys, but they're right there. But, but you're also right there. Like, you're not moving out of the way. They're in... So it's well. You point. You know. you make a solid point with the whole thing of hockey is really like the one game that doesn't have the whole out of bounds thing. So I, no, there's no out of bounds, and and the refs can't get out of the way. I think it's the hardest sport to be a ref, referee or linesman. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think you know. I try and stick up for them. I even take notes. Like sometimes in my notes, I put like compliment the refs tonight. Like if they do a good job. Like I try and remind myself. You know, and if I don't think they did a good job. Like I, I don't, there was a game this year. I don't know when it was. Oh, I remember it because you, you had, you had one of the funniest lines I've ever heard you on TV with Randy. And it was, I believe it was a game against Nashville. And I think that was the, the time when the officials had an open mic and you're three fucking times, three fucking times, get in there. (laughs) And then, and later in that game, you like, and what's funny is whoever uh, was on your sound was Johnny on the spot because he brought you up just a little bit because you're like, uh, yeah, this is Jamie Baker. If you could clean up the officiating, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> I asked Randy, I'm like, because he had an open mic. But the rep had an open mic. Yeah. And I'm like, can we talk to him? Like, can you hear us? And Randy goes, I don't know. And that's that's when I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was in Nashville. You're right. Good memory. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was one um, of the best. You know what? Those guys have tough jobs. I think I don't have an answer for the Department of Player Safety other than like give us more reference points. Yeah. Give us reference points so we know. Yeah, I would love to you see it I mean? compared like, to just other Just give us hits. the reference points. Yeah. Just give us, George, give us the friggin' reference points, man. On, on, and on why this person didn't get, like, why he didn't get suspended. And you say, well, we can only do so many. It's like, that's your job. If, if we think, if we have a guy out with an injury, like, 
Barbashev last year. Why mm -hmm. was he? Why was there no explanation? That there I am now. I'm gone. Right? <laughs> why was there no explanation that he didn't get suspended when Hurdle missed a game? I'm not going to get into Braun. I'm just going to talk about that one because Hurdle left the game and missed the next game of the concussion. Well, and then Barbashev got a suspension in the Stanley Cup Finals for what I thought was a hit wasn't as bad as the one in our series. Just give me a reference point, and then I can agree or disagree. Yeah. So, but well, put your reference point out there for us to see. That's it. But but I'll tell you what. Like they're doing their best. Like just like. Just like broadcasters, we screw up, coaches screw up, players screw up, referees screw up. Even though it's the Department of Player Safety and they have the video and everything, they're looking at all the different circumstances, at what's going on in the game. Maybe something happened earlier. Like, there's all these different criteria that they're looking at. So, um, I know, you know, we can talk about it in the span of the last year, but I think you have to take, I think you have to, broaden the horizon of of where the league has come to a decade and go back and you're like they're trending in the right direction so if there's a hiccup yeah. here or there that they're it's ultimately they're going to fix it because they don't want headshots they don't want head injuries absolutely so you know, they don't they don't and and that that mandate has become clear but they don't want the sport you know to lose some of the violence that comes with it. Like now they take care of the fighting. The, it's more skilled and it's faster than it's ever been. But when you look at the playoffs the last couple of years, it's been awesome. It's been mean. And oh. mean hockey is fun hockey to watch. That but is... during the regular season, it's almost like the regular season is, is more skilled. So they've taken – there was never really fighting in the playoffs. They took, they've only taken fighting out of the regular season for the most part. That's where it's declined. Yeah. And then the the playoffs are just as mean. The, last year's playoffs was brutal. Oh, it was awesome. Some vicious. Was I mean, Jumbo got a game for a headshot. Yeah. You, you know. But it was vicious. That Vegas series was mean. That St. <sighs> Louis series was, you know, the last two Stanley Cup champions were the two toughest teams out there. Oh, easily. St. Louis and Washington. So, you know, you can be skilled for the regular season, but come playoff. And I think that's great. I think that's like, if someone said, how would you want the NHL? I'd be like the way it is right now. So kudos to them to getting it there. Now there's always going to be fine tuning in some degree. Yeah. Well, you, you know, we talk about last season on paper, the expectations were pretty high for the sharks considering, you know, the most expensive defense in the NHL ended up being somewhat, kind of porous there's a lot of high danger chances allowed and the sharks say goodbye to pavelski donskoy and nyquist 112 points leave and the sharks go from being second in the league in scoring to 27th uh you think that this is a case that doug wilson or the front office just kind of said we're really super confident in the youth that we have coming in and then unfortunately it just didn't progress or was it a system-based thing because we did see the coach replaced. I mean, what was your take on how this team went from being, again, second in the league in scoring and pretty solid defensively, and then somehow letting in all these high-danger chances and yet number one power play? I mean, I'm penalty. sorry, penalty. I'm sorry, penalty kill. Yeah. yeah. So... 
I mean, I didn't know what to expect coming in. I'm mean, just going to be honest. You know, like. I mean, you lose it. Let, let your captain walk. Like, you let like three guys. I, I can go on and, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm always going to promote the team and whatnot. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But, and I think I was saying, I said, this is, is going to be an interesting year. I'm not exactly sure what to expect from this team. We didn't know, like, even if some of the, you know, some prospects, you, you can, he can be highly touted. Jack Hughes, you know, Capo Caco, right. the one and two last year. Welcome to the NHL, boys. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame because you're not with, you don't, you got to learn how to play the game without the puck. I talked to all these guys. You know, I, 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 you know, all the young guys, especially, especially the forwards, you know, Shellman, Suomela. Well, and the names that we heard a lot last summer were Shemlevsky and Chekovic, and we never even saw them in a Sharks jersey this season. Noah Gregor, you know. Oh, well, yeah. These two, Noah Gregor, so these guys. And even Noah Gregor, Dylan Campbell, like I, I've talked to quite a bit with him, and he's he's trying to figure out the league. He goes, yeah, it's hard because he's played a certain way. Now you're trying to play a different way, but it doesn't just naturally come to you. But you also haven't built your skill set on playing that way. And it's it's called playing without the puck. Hmm. And how do you get inside body position and win battles? And then so the hole on the right side was, I think, a bigger fill than they I think. I think maybe they thought LeBanc could co- go in and step into a one two. And he was inconsistent. But even LeBanc, like. Well, he literally bet his contract on this season. Totally. And and. You know, it's a tiered league. People don't realize it. Like, it's a, if you're on the first line, it's a different league than if you're on the third or fourth line. Yeah. Even if you're playing the L.A. Kings, now you're going against Dowdy and Kopitar. <laughs> right? That's different. So last year, you know, LeBanc had success because we had some depth, a little more depth up front. So now the one-two lines, the Couture Hurdle lines are getting the one-two matchups. Jumbo's line's getting a three-four matchup for the most part with Sorensen and LeBanc. And it was a favorable situation for him. And then he was also picking up some points in the power play. Yeah. Um, goaltending was an issue. It just was. You know, they couldn't mop it up when they needed to. But to me, the biggest thing, you've kind of touched on a little bit. To me, and it, it wasn't losing Pavelski as captain, but his mindset. The team's mm-hmm. mindset. They said, we're not going to score, like, Pete DeBoer said at the start of the year, we're not going to score as much. We have to be, we have to be really good defensively. Logan Couture, the captain, said, listen, we're not going to score as much. Tomas Hurdle said, you know, we're not going to score as much. We would like six, seven guys have career years. We lost, you know, the three right wingers in Pavelski, Donskoy, and Nyquist. So we got to, we got to, you know, knock it down defensively. And they did penalty kill. But not five on five. Yeah. They're five on five. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I track them every game. Like five on five even strength. They lost like 43 games. They they lost the five on five battle uh, even strength like 43 times or something. And they only won four of those games. <sighs> Brutal. They were terrible. And that's a mindset. And to me, a lot of it, you know, it's everybody. But the other factor was you needed Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic to be good to very good every game. 
They take up a big chunk of money, but they're also three elite players. They've all won championships on the international stage, all of them. Two of the three have won Norris trophies. The other one will never win one because he doesn't score enough, but he might be, he's one of the best defensive defensemen of his generation. Well, you know, I mean, Vlasic. when it comes to Vlasic, so those, I didn't see those. How many games? How, let me ask you: How many games this year did all three of those guys play really good? Uh, I, less than a handful. There you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was just there saying. I've, I always judge Vlasic on how the opposing forward, the top forwards of the opposing team did. You know, that was but my. But those three thing. guys. If they're all playing really well, I should be able to come out of retirement, not <laughs> much time in the defensive zone because they're getting the puck out. All I got to do is win a battle in the corner in the offensive zone, right? Yeah. And get the puck to them and then get my ass to the front of the net and win a battle there. Exactly. Like, it's like seriously. So, and it's not just on those three guys, but those three guys are, they're like hugely impactful players. So, I think they ultimately have to lead the way in the mindset when it's five on five. They cannot play high risk hockey all the time. They have to know when to. And that's, that's, it's Burns and it's Carlson, but even Vlasic, he had stretches this year where he looked dormant out there. It was like he was not involved. And we can't afford that. Like this team couldn't afford it. There was no margin of error. So, that's we saw wild wild swings, you know. They were very momentum driven team. Momentum di- driven teams always scare me. Well, they just do. The, so, I like where things were trending at the end of the year, but I I do th- agree with you that I do think things were trending in the right way. Before we came on, we were talking a little bit about uh, Boomer on NHL Network. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a guy that I believe they talked to, to Brian Burke, uh, a few months back. And his take was that he firmly believed that there, there could be some sort of fraction in the dressing room where it's, there might be some players that are a little upset that, you know, you, you had guys that made sacrifices, whether it was Pavelski or Hurdle or Couture, guys that had make contractual financial sacrifices for the betterment of the team. And then they see guys like Eric Carlson and Evander Kane come in and basically get everything that they wanted. And then they see, Oh yeah, but we don't have enough term. We're not willing to have enough term or enough money to keep Pavelski here. And that that might've upset some sharks. And then you looked at that start that they had. Now you're someone who's in the room. You talk to these guys every day. I mean, is something like that, is there a hint of truth to what Berkey is saying that there could be, in fact, a couple guys that are just maybe they, it didn't sit right with them and it took them a little while to get over that? So, first of all, I'm not in the room that much. So, you know, I'll go on practice days, morning skates, guys are in and out of there. So, you know, I go get my stuff and, and you know, I'm talking to one or two guys. I'm, and it, when the media is allowed in the room, like, the switch gets turned, right? It's off. Yeah. They're in, they're in media mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just, it's just the way the world is. So behind closed door, I mean, I don't have to know, like I, where I would really see it 
is calling games down at ice level at home. You know, heading an ice switch. But when we're inside the glass at home, and I didn't see a lot of guys yelling at each other, and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. What I saw was not enough guys buying in. They were saying it, but they weren't doing it. Because how can you be number one PK and then be so bad five on five? Exactly. It's a mindset. PK, what's your what's the entire goal? To not get scored on. That's it. Yeah, it'd be great if you get a shorthand a chance. But even then, you change. You change hard. Like, the details to the defensive game were so good. They have to be. They had the best penalty kill in the NHL. Those changed five on five. Now, now you are you got to add in the element. Now you are trying to score, but at what at what cost? At what mm. chance? At what like? Why aren't you covering each other if somebody makes a mistake? So if you're out there, you know. So let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip another switch. If I was on the team and I'm out there with Burns or Carlson, as a third, let's say I'm a third line center, or if I'm a third or fourth line player, okay. And you're on the ice with Eric Carlson or Brent Burns. Now, and specifically for me, because I'm a center, well, I'm like, these guys are better than me offensively. So it behooves mm -hmm. me to, you know, cheat offensively and not, like, have them cover me. Like, how about let them join the rush? They know it. If yep. they're out on the ice with Baker, like, it's like a, you know, you still yellow light. Proceed with caution. You can't always go, 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 but go. I got you. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I, I'm looking out for you. So, so these guys can be the offensive dynamos that they are. Why not? But then the, they can't be creating turnovers in the defensive zone. But if they are, like, then I need to be there. If they're gonna make those, if if I know they're gonna make high risk plays, which we know I, they I, are. Then, then I, I need to be there. I need to, I need to cover them. You know, I need to be there. So, that's the, and I don't want to just talk about those guys, but the team on its entirety, just could never. They didn't. They couldn't get the depth up front in the lines because of the missing the three right forwards. Yeah. And then collectively, they were giving up too many great days, and the goaltending wasn't making enough saves, key saves on the great days, and that's what you got. And, well, and again, I think Bob Bugner and his staff did a good job. The team, it's almost like they had to go through this. It's just one of those things. It's almost like, you know, I hate to say it. You just, sometimes you just got to go through it. You just, they had to go through it. It felt um, it felt like, like a boat sometimes where it was, you know, as soon as you plug one hole, another one springs, you know? And they just couldn't plug all the holes at the same time throughout this season, with the exception, of course, of the month of November. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is so frustrating. You see the October they had. They lose the first three games, bring in Marlowe, lose another one, and then, and then Marlowe comes in, scores two goals, and you're going, okay, hey, maybe this was the missing key. And, you, and then October doesn't roll too well, but then, okay, they put everything together in November, and then December comes, and you – go right off the cliff again, and then it's all culminated with a 1-0 shutout in Detroit, the worst team in the league on New Year's, and you just kind of go, what happened in November? Like, wh which one is this team? You know, and this is the part I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. Yeah. I, I can tell when guys are cheating, whether it's on a change, 
not finishing a check hard, like the forwards, you know, how fast somebody reacts on a back check, a deep pinching at the wrong time, like the wrong time of the game, a player, you know, at the end of a shift, trying a lateral pass through the neutral zone. Like these are all mental mistakes. And, you know they're getting talked about, but as long as they're still happening, not everybody's on the same page. And you need everybody on the same page. And sometimes a little egg in your face gets everybody on the same page. It doesn't matter who you are and how long you've been here. So I think they got away from their identity here this year. I think the culture is evolving. Wow. Not in a good way. And now that now it's starting to, you know, like... And then, like, the culture you can start to see, like, certain personalities starting to, you know, it's not take over the room, but, like, let's let's get this thing back. Let's get this thing back on track, get their identity, and, and then go from there. And that takes everybody. So it doesn't – it's – I can tell – this is a true story, but, like, the New York Islanders, when they won, were winning their Cups – um, they weren't all best friends off the ice. They were like <laughs> a different characters. But when they went in and they put that jersey on, they played for each other. And it was like the Islander way. And for the Sharks, like this is where the Sharks have been. And to me, like when I talk to fans or anything, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? I said, you know, I don't even get into the nitty gritty. Like we're going, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a super fan and you're an amazing fan with your passion, you're, you know, doing this podcast, you go to games, you watch games, you love it, you know, but for the average fan, my explanation is, you know, it's not, it's not nearly as granular as we're getting. I basically say, listen, in hockey, there's a hard salary cap and long-term success gets punished. It just does. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Hello, Detroit. <laughs> hello, Chicago. Hello, LA. Yeah. Right. And hello, San Jose minus only thing we didn't do was have that banner but we've had long-term success here and and so and there's still a good core in there and good players being good people so the thing is that you know maybe this year i mean they picked the wrong year in the sense of the draft pick obviously but aside from that um i'll be very intrigued to see what happens i know they just picked up a couple of college guys no that's all great but they still have to go try and make the NHL. And it's not like you're just going to make it and be in some can be an impact player, but usually it takes time. It's, it's a whole different ball game. You know, I'll be curious to see what Doug Wilson does this summer salary cap wise, how much wiggle room he has. It would be good if he could go get a number one or two right winger, because that could help short, you know, kind of slot of, you know, maybe help with some of the slotting. It'll be interesting to see what he does with Marlowe and Thornton. Um, Absolutely. But, but, the most important thing, and let's just – I'm not assuming, but if, if Bob Bugner comes back as head coach, I, I think he deserves it. But he, you know, did a really good job. He has a real good rapport and communication with the players. Um, they'll, they'll get – you know, they were, they were a hard team to play, play against. They were, they were still battling after the deadline. That's mm-hmm. – that's, I, saw, I saw them battling after the deadline. When, and they knew the deadline was over. We're out of the playoffs, and they were still battling. 
and that was building the that was like getting that identity and and getting that culture back which was a it was a good sign even though some, they had some games here that they you know the Chicago game they weren't very good the last two periods but um, they didn't have to win every game I just wanted to see a little more consistent you know and I did and so did so did Hetty too you know we we talked about it quite a bit well. Obviously, I mean, as it stands right now, Bugner still has that interim tag on on his coaching uh, title, and I'm with you. I think Bugner definitely has, uh, you know, at the very least, he should be the front runner for the gig. However, what do you feel about the uh, the assistants? Like, do you think Ricci goes back down with the, to work with the Cuda? And, you know, does Sommer go back down and and they use this off season to find for let Bugner find some other keys? And do you think Nabby stays up here because it seems like Nabby's kind of found a really good fit working with Jones and Doe? I uh, I don't know and I don't have a feel for it because you know I didn't go. I it, it's it was never a question that. It didn't pertain to anything. And then we were like, the season was rolling along and then boom, we're yeah. flying home. You know what I mean? So I, I, I didn't hear any rumblings of anything, honestly. Um, I think Nabby's done a good job. I don't know if Nabby wants to travel all the time. You know, mm-hmm. Roy Somner was running the defense and, you know, he's never run the defense before. So, but if he was running, the, I, I think he was running the PK. Like we lose Dave Barr, but the PK stayed number one. You know, Ricci, he's got a good influence. But does he same thing? Does is this what he wants, or does he want to be a development coach? I so I think there's two parts to all of this. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, is this is this what they want? Is this what Boogie wants, or does you know? So I have no feel for that. So and I I don't think it's a. I think first they have to figure out who the head coach is. If it's going to be Bugner, then yeah, I would. I would make one guess that the staff, the assistant, the staff will be different in the sense. Even if those guys are there, they'll add one more person. So, kind of an eye in the sky kind of a deal, like they had prior. It, it could be. I could be of any of any of any capacity. It could be Boogie's right hand man. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, these guys hadn't coached in the NHL before. So maybe somebody that's coached in the NHL, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying he's, he's short one guy, really. They were using some of the video guys and stuff on practice and that. So I could see them maybe having, even if, even if Somner and, and reach here there, maybe get one more guy. So, and I don't know about those guys. They'll be, well, that's a, that's out of my payroll. <laughs> well, let's, uh, ha- let's have a little fun here. Uh, I got a couple more for you. Uh, I don't know if you're aware the Athletic just posted an article ranking the broadcast crews for each NHL team. Sharks ranked sixth out of the league. A lot of nice comments were included. Uh, all of it focused on the TV side, uh, and that made me wonder a couple things. Is it more challenging for you to navigate the three-man booth with Hedekin versus just you and Honor, or is it more kind of seamless? I think we've gotten to the point now... T- you know, it took a few games, you know, just just from a cadence standpoint. We don't want to be jumping on each other's toes. Yeah. But we've, I think we felt comfortable. We love working together. Love it. Like, oh, you can tell a lot of the time, especially when it's, 
when it's you and Randy on the call, uh, and, and no no uh, disparaging remarks towards Hetty whatsoever, but there seems to be a little more chemistry where it seems like you and Han have just a little bit more fun, especially on some of the little uh, cracks, shall we say? I mean, there yeah. was there was a I, I wish I could remember who the Sharks were playing, but I remember that there was a call that the Sharks had not gotten a penalty called their way the entire game until like the final like minute and a half of the game. And I believe it was Sorensen got a call and Randy said something along the lines of, you know, and the Sharks get a call going to the box with a minute 30 left down by three goals. And you very subtly just go, I sense sarcasm. And it, right. <laughs> like you seem to have a lot of fun with each other on there. And I think that's one of the reasons why you guys were rated so high is because there is a lot of chemistry there. Well, I'm, yeah, we, Hetty's awesome. Oh so yeah, I absolutely. Hattie's, I think Hetty's analysis is deeper than mine. Um, you know, we, what we bring, we bring our personalities. He's mm-hmm. a more intense guy than me. Like he just is. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I was an intense player, but you know, he's, he's got an intensity about him during the game. And I come into the game a little bit more from a entertainment standpoint. Mm -hmm. And he's coming in from a sharks. Like he's, so he'll like, there's stuff he, he picks up so much. He really, really knows the game, you know? And I think the fact that he was a defenseman and I'm a forward, like I love people have asked me before, like, do you guys compete? I'm like, no, we don't, we don't compete at all. Like I, he makes me better and I'm hoping in some way I make him better, like to push each other a little bit to keep being better from a professional standpoint. But it's not like there's people out there that prefer Hedekin over Baker. And, and, and I'm, I'm like, that's great. I think that's good, especially with this format. I wouldn't want it. I love Hedekin. I hate Baker or I love Baker. I hate Hedekin. I'm like, if you prefer Hedekin over Baker or Baker over Hedekin, but you like both of us, that's the win. Yeah. That's because we're here. We're here to inform you, to analyze, to educate, but ultimately, ultimately to entertain and, and to do it in our person, our own personalities. So I look for those, like those quips, you know what I mean? With Randy. And you know how I am on the radio with Ruzi. Like, I love busting his chops. Like, I look forward to it. It's like, and that's, but that's, that's our rapport. Now, when we get on with Hetty, it's a different type of broadcast. It's awesome. Like, I love working that broadcast. It's, it's easier and harder. Easier, I say less, harder, because you're, you're like, I got to hear everything Randy says, Hattie, and then you're like adding or whatever. But that's the easier part because, you know, I might miss something or Hattie or I can just agree with them. But it's, you know, making sure that you're not talking over each other. So you're but you're you're so focused. But I don't think a whole lot of things get missed in those situations. You know, like well, extra set of eyes. We love I love working with him. Love it. I, I literally like almost we don't I think we did five games this year. It's like after every game. Almost not every game, but like we're like we text each other. Last year in the playoffs, we're like I love working with you. Even in the, you know we did a three man TV and radio, so we did a lot last year in the playoffs. So we get you know we get used to it's it's just getting the it's getting used to the cadence and you know. Well, what's the know? pros and cons for you ping ponging between TV and radio? 
None now. I mean, at first, you're you know, it's a different medium. So, like radio, radio, you're painting a picture. TV, the picture is already there. So you got to, like, you got to talk about what the picture is on the screen. TV, it's a collaborative effort. There's like all the people in the truck. So if I, you know, when there's a, when there's a goal, I'm like, go back to, you know, Burns, you know, Vlasic breaking up a three on two and getting the puck over to Burns. Burns with a great, and then just, and I go, and then, and then they, they'll roll the whole video. So when you see a goal, Hetty and I, you know, we have a playback button. Usually the first replay will be a tighter shot. The second replay, when it goes back further or it's a high wide, that's us asking for it. <clears throat> and we've already called it. Like mm-hmm. We've called that into the truck to go get us the replay. This is where. So that took that took a long time to get used to. You got to you got to say really quickly, like where you want the replay to start from. And then they got to go back. They, they go back, get it. And then they come out. And I don't even then I'm watching it for the first time and I'm walking through it. So. Like there's a little bit more of adrenaline, that type of thing. You know, I'm talking to the producer in my ear. We got a promo coming up. There's this, all of that kind of stuff's going on. Radio's free flowing. You know, you go up there, and it's 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 Dan Rosnowski and Jamie Baker. You know, and we're gonna bounce. We're, we're playing tennis. We're bouncing it back and forth all night long. You know, we got there's a couple of engineers and stuff that help us out, but it's more of a two man. It's more of a two man show. So my you know my prep is a little bit different. Um, I love both of them. I tell people I probably, I like TV a little bit better. Just, I did radio for nine years. So I get a little more of an adrenaline rush from TV, but I love doing radio. It's like not by a wild margin or anything. And I love working with Dan and and Randy, two of the best. They're different. So I prep, I have to prep, you know, it took me a little while to get used to Randy and how he preps. And then I've known Dan obviously for so long, how he preps, um, but and they're two different personalities so just like they it's you know i think it's for them they have to okay oh back to bakes here we go you know back oh okay we got heady you know what i mean so they had to get used to us going back and forth so it's a unique style it's for me this is the most important thing we are literally a broadcasting team because tv guys make more money than radio guys and so, but this is more like, this is the, t- when we have our production meeting, it's all of us. It wasn't always like that. There's oh, no, we're here, you're there. Oh no, it, this is a broadcast. Yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no totem pole here. This is, we're all in this. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good group. I so. don't, I mean, you don't, you don't have to tell us the, the entire story. But I will say that it has stuck with me that during a game this season, uh, I think it had to do with a blocked shot. And Han told you, you know, I've never blocked a shot before, but I awkwardly bumped into a bar stool once. And your response was, once? <laughs> don't underestimate yourself, pal. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are up to on the road, but it sounds like it could have been a phenomenal story. Uh, but... There's not, there's no, there's no elaboration needed. <laughs> Honors, 
bumped into more than one bar, bar stool. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and he doesn't have to be on the road for it. I'm not saying he's doing it every night, but I'm just telling you. Well, I will tell you. Here's so here's my here's a funny. Um, he was going through. He was separated. He was going through the process of a divorce. So he was staying at my place for a little while, and I come in one day, and he's got one of those things that go over your finger, you know, when you're like, like, whatever, like postal worker, finger, you know, those fin- like little finger condom things. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I don't know if I wouldn't call it a condom. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's postal, like little, postal it's like workers. Brace. It's like a little brace. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like a little uh, splint, yeah. flint, splint, spin, yeah, like whatever that, the thing's called. Not a finger condom. <laughs> well, no, like what, <laughs> what post- are you thinking about? Postal workers use those when they have to touch a whole bunch of stuff that they don't want to get the germs. So they, they that's what they call them. Anyway, it's like a little friggin' little mini portable cast for his finger. Okay. So I said, what happened to your, what happened to your finger? He goes, oh, I got it stuck in the door. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I said, did you have to get your fingernail drained? Because that's how you relieve the pressure, you know, which I've had multiple times from slap shots and stuff over the years and my own thumb. And he goes, He goes, yeah, yeah, I got a drink. And I'm like, okay, why are you wearing that? Like, it's over. (laughs) He's a broadcaster. (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing? You don't need that. Like, hockey players are like, you know, even when my, in my, when I was married, the wife of my, you know, my, my two poor, I had two daughters, you know, and she'd be like, have some compassion. I'm like, ah, it's a long way from the heart. You know, I'm like, they're bleeding. I'm like, it doesn't matter. They're going to be fine. Who cares? Like, who cares? You know, you're like a hockey player mentality, but there's Randy, Randy, the announcer. He still had that brace on this. Is, so, so they drain, which is it. Once it comes out, all the pulsating's gone. It's done. I mean, you got a little hole there, but yeah. it's like, it's over. You don't, you know, you don't need a cast anymore, Randy. But he didn't know that. He's a broadcaster. He doesn't. Broadcasters don't get injured very often. <laughs> oh my lord! So <sighs> anyway, I, yeah, I, yeah, that was a door that got stuck in a door. That, that wasn't falling into a bar stool. Well, He's yeah. great. Hey, Randy's Randy's so witty. It's it's awesome. You know. Oh, the again the chemistry you guys have on the air. I mean, we are. Uh, you know, this is, I guess we'll, uh, start the, uh, kiss ass portion of the show, but yeah, we are blessed to have you guys on there. Cause again, you guys have r- a really good chemistry and it is really entertaining. I've spent the last couple of seasons this year trying to listen to, uh, you know, listen to other shows, a lot of, or listen to other shows, listen to other games. And usually when I'd watch those eh, for the most part, I'd kind of mute them. I'm just watching for the game. I'm not really listening for, you know, anything in particular but i started picking up on little things and it was like yeah you know what you can tell baker and han they have a good time with each other like it sounds like you guys hang on or hang out with each other when you guys are on the road going out to dinner or going just whatever and then you hear some other broadcasts and you're like man it sounds like these guys probably hate each other when they're not on the air (laughs) everywhere's different you know by the way as you were talking about our broadcast being entertaining which is very nice and gracious and thank you Carly the cat didn't agree because Carly oh, left <laughs> while while you were telling while you were literally <laughs> out of the screen as you were saying the word entertaining. I'm like, mm, that's, I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> Carly, what color is she? Is she a black cat? No, no, brown, you know, like kind of brown, 
tiger right. stripe. Yeah. Um, black black cat leaves screen as AJ tells <laughs> Baker he's the broadcasts are entertaining. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'd be. My goal is that most Sharks fans enjoy our broadcast. The bottom line is when the team is winning, the broadcasts are better. People oh, like the yeah. broadcast more. I've I've always wondered like you go to different markets, like people you get used to you guys are used to us. No. So that's what that was the one interesting thing this this thing they did in the athletic is they had other people from other markets yes. talk about like so that's where you get I, I love getting like love. I mean, people like to get compliment on things. I shouldn't say I love it because I because it you appreciate it. You're grateful for it. Um, when somebody in the industry, you know, might be watching a game, whether it's another analyst, play by play, or a producer or a director, and they kind of just out of the blue say, "Hey, you know, I just watched your broadcast. You were really good," or something. It's not that it's there's more credence than if I'm walking through Safeway and I meet somebody and they're like, "Hey, I love you on the TV," but there is, you yeah, know, of course. But but then but the one that's more important is the person in Safeway. Doesn't that isn't that interesting? Yeah. So this is like somebody that understands the business that follows it and all that. But at the end of the day, it's you guys I care about. It's that's teal together, um, you know. Sharks for life, all of that. So that's what we that's what we try and do. And I've always, you know, we have we have the best producer, Sean Madison's. You know, the people behind the the scenes are amazing. We have just such good people. But well, Janice we try, will tell you she's the best. Like you guys, I want to make it so that you guys are like it's all we're all sitting in a room watching a game together. Like that's always been kind of my goal. I love John Madden. I love John Madden. Back Pow! When, remember when he was in Boom! a. Hey? <laughs> I just like John Madden. He entertained me, but he was like, and he had like, I liked him as a, I liked him as an announcer, you know. So I'm, I don't try and replicate John Madden. I've never, I don't watch a lot of other broadcasts to try and learn from other guys, because I don't, I just want to be Bakes, and Bakes screws up. Like I, I'll say a name wrong. Like I'm not scared. Like I'll make mistakes. I make mistakes every single game. And we laugh sometimes on the truck. Like Sean Madison, I think he writes them down too. I'll make up like a new word. And I'm like, oh my God. I was even watching today's Daily Shark. I screwed up. I'm like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> but the thing is, like, it doesn't matter, you know? It's like, if you know, if if you're having a good time, you're explaining the game well enough. Well, and especially when, like, the mistake is so, you know, like, it's obviously a brain fart or so, you know, it's not like you did something on purpose. My right. favorite my favorite mistake of all time probably is uh, when you were with Randy and said something along the lines of, uh, you know, the fortunate thing for the Sharks is a lot of their uh, home games are going to be at home. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. <laughs> Said, and, yeah. and Randy played with it a little bit further in the broadcast, and it was a yeah. great callback. Yeah, exactly. You guys were having a good time with it, and that's all that matters. Um, Shocking, shockingly, shockingly, that made it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we, we don't trust me. We find out when we make mistakes. It's oh, I'm Twitter. sure. I'm sure. But it's all cool. It's all good. It's a, it's, it's a great job. 
this was an interesting year. This was a challenging year, but it it it, it focused it 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 made us you know focus our attention, our preparation, our delivery differently. So I like that. It was like chat. It was challenging, and I was like, okay. Well, especially with expectations being so high, you can and see that we've been winning. It, it even doesn't matter. We've been winning for so long. Yeah. You know, the you know what sucked this year is the Giants were in the playoffs. The A's lost it right away. I know the Niners were good, but the Warriors were having a bad year. And the last few years, you know, even when the Sharks, you know, went to the Stanley Cup Finals, the Warriors have been so dominant. Yeah. That we we're kind of competing for them a bit. This would have been a, and then the Warriors have a down year, and ultimately we it coincides the same year as the Sharks. But that such things happen. I would love to see them win the Stanley Cup to parade that trophy around the Bay Area to get more people to really going from a non-fan to an average fan. You don't have to be a hardcore fan, but a true fan. We got a lot of average fans, and if the team isn't playing well they turn into non-fans fair weather i want them yeah. being true fans and if times are tough or the team isn't they they're average fans i, I want that's that's where i want to you know that's where i want this thing to go well finally and and, and it's funny that you talk about that because i'm going to throw it back to 94 for a minute I remember, you know, being a fan in downtown San Jose, 93, 94, you couldn't walk five feet in downtown without seeing somebody in teal. Uh, it, it was just that whole run. I mean, it was on CNN for, <laughs> for Pete's sakes. It was on, it was national news. This little upstart team was taking on, you know, David Gol versus Goliath, the number one seed, the, the team that most people predicted would win the cup and you know, you obviously have the biggest goal, but the thing that I want to, I've always kind of wanted to ask is everybody refers to that playoff goal, but what is your favorite moment or story just from that 93, 94 season? You know, like the first time that you're actually playing in San Jose, you know, those first two years, yes, they were part of the league, but that was at the Cow Palace and now they're in the, you know, where their actual home is going to be. And then you have the quote from Urbe with like wall. I mean, just a lot of things kind of got really cohesive in 93 and 94 and just all seemed to come together. But everybody points to the 94, you know, your game seven goal. But is there something else that kind of, was there a moment in like January in the dressing room or something where you felt like, you know what, there's, there's something special about this little group of, of misfits we got here. There was, I, I mean, it's, there was a lot of signature moments going 08 and one and then starting to climb out of it. Nobody knew how good Larianov and Makarov were. And then you have Oza Lynch and Norton. And then you add Garpenlov. Constantine with his coaching style, which was <laughs> borderline dictatorship that he had to loosen the reins. Seriously, like Larianov was almost going to leave the team, man. He was, he'd had it. Oh yeah. There was almost a rebellion. Like when we were in, in Detroit. Um, so there was stuff like that, <clears throat> the, you know, trade deadline, like getting all Dolan. But like when we, when we traded for Todd Ellick, we were playing Edmonton that night. He walked around, like he was over getting ready for their morning skate comes over, walks in our room, you know? Um, 
nobody knew Herbe was going to be as good as he was. And so we started. The other thing is, uh, I nobody, not many people know this, but I, I played injured almost the whole year. So I I was in and out of the lineup, and they couldn't figure it out. I, I'm like, it's my groin, it's my groin, it's my groin. And Dean Lombardi, he'd watch me on the ice, and he's like, what the F is wrong with this guy? He looks great out there. Like, get him in. I'd go out and play a few games. And, and so I was um, – we get up near the trading. I'll never forget this. Never forget this. So I could never, like, I just couldn't get the system. Like Constantine was really hard on the third liner, like left wing lock. I couldn't even skate backwards. Jeez. Like I didn't know how to skate backwards. I mean, I could skate backwards, but not, not, not to play in the NHL. <laughs> I never skated backwards my whole life. I never worked on it. We never used to work on it. I just, I was a centerman my whole life. It sounds crazy, but so got 10% battery. <laughs> That's what that was. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so Constantine, I'm in the doghouse with him a little bit, trying to figure out this left wing lock. I have my stomach issue. And then they traded for Vacheslav Butsayev. And Dean Lombardi, we were playing in Philadelphia. I'll never forget it. Oh, my God, I was pissed off. I wanted to kill him. And I, I mean, and, and, uh, I shouldn't say it that way. I was so mad at him. Like, and it wasn't what he did was bad. He felt bad for me. I walked past him, and he kind of, he didn't say anything. just, like, tough luck, kid. Because I just, I wasn't playing to what they needed. So they make this trade. So then I'm a light, I'm a healthy scratch. And I was mad at him for doing it, but it was like, he wasn't being, he, I knew I was getting replaced. Yeah. That's, you know, so healthy scratch in the Island. Next game's in St. Louis. The weirdest thing ever. Butsayev is going into the corner with a stick out in front of him. The tip of his blade hits the stick right where the stanchion and the mm -hmm. top of the boards are and gets caught. And then he skates in and the butt end of the stick hits him in the neck and his whole stick bow and arrow. So it takes his neck and it snaps his head back. I've never seen any. It's the only time I've ever seen it. So he's out. So I'm back in the lineup. So I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to go play team wins a couple of games. We have our game in Sacramento. Dr. Ting comes out. True story. Dr. Ting, the orthopedic surgeon for the team. Bakes, come on in here. Lays me down on the training table. He goes, I was just at an orthopedic uh, conference. He sticks his fingers right in, more in my pubic area than in my groin area. On my right side. And he goes, lift your right leg. And I do it. And he goes, how's that? And I'm like, sore, but okay. Lift your left leg. How's that? I said, sore-er, but okay. Lift both legs. And I couldn't lift them. He goes, you have a sports hernia. So it wasn't my groin. So now we've actually diagnosed what I needed. He goes, you need surgery at the end of the year. So I didn't practice most of the rest of the year. Nobody knew this. I had practiced a little bit, but I was dealing with a sports sports hernia. And finished, and that was the year, and, but got in. And then and the other thing signature thing that that team did as we came down the stretch we played three units of five mm. because 
Larianoff's line had their two defense. So they set it up with the same thing with um, LX line and then my line. So with I was with uh, Jay Moore and Cronin. So my, not many teams did that. The other thing no hmm. one knows about that team, they don't really talk about it. 84 games back there, last uh, back then, yeah. with the two neutral sites. It was in, it was in Sacramento, it was the neutral site game. That's where I, I got uh, diagnosed with the sports hernia. So, and then they put me on like anti like 800 milligrams or something of anti-inflammatories and, you know, whatever. So, um, but the last 42 games of the year, we had the fifth best record in the NHL. So as much as we were an underdog, a 1-8, for half, we were 0-8-1 to start the year. So we were better than everybody was touting us. We also had, I think in the last, I think we might have had the longest, the last half of the year, we had the longest unbeaten streak, 7-0-2. So we were not a fluke. Everyone looked at us like an eight seed, yeah. but we played more like a, a, a three, four seed. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I, but and I, we'd been in every, all our, every game was close. So we've been playing for our playoff lives. So we going into the series, our whole mantra was keep it close going into the third period. That's our comfort zone. Like that's what we've been doing now for 70 games. These guys have been running up the score. So it was kind of like what, what Tampa went through last year. You know, they were yeah. running up the score so much that they didn't really know what to do in consecutive, consecutive, consecutive games when it's a close game coming down the stretch. It, it's so funny that you bring up Larry Onoff because, well, I'll end with this, and I don't know if you are aware of this or not. When we spoke to uh, Drew Remendo a while back, he talked about how him and Constantine, like, they didn't even want to look at film after game six. It was just, you know, it, it, it was not good. He, like, I think he went to go see like a Tigers game or something. Right. And, uh, but what he said was uh, that I guess Constantine at some point uh, like said, you know, I need, I need pucks and Sharpies. And I'm, he gave every, every player a puck and, tried, and you know, you're doing it for this person or, you know, you're going to give this person a puck or whatever. And, that fired up the team, got everybody going. And then evidently, I think on the plane or something, Remenda said that Larry Onoff said, Hey, Drew, come here. Tell him that's not going to fucking work again. <laughs> it, got, it got everybody fired up, but you can only do it once. <laughs> right? It's true. <laughs> he, he's the best, the professor. Oh, man. Well, yeah. th thank you so much for being so candid and joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Hope you stay, Thanks, AJ. stay healthy, stay safe, Thanks and uh, hopefully we see some hockey really soon. Yeah, with gratitude. Absolutely. Go Sharks. Thank you.